0: Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. As we close out the month where the ministry focus was on creation. I think it's fitting and right that we entitled this last message, to The Lord of Creation. I have learned a lot, been blessed a lot by the study of this word. And this was not the way that I had envisioned of ending this focus on creation. But something struck me about Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. The letter in itself is unique among all the 13 letters that Paul is given credit for writing in the Bible. If this letter, Colossian, was the only chapter in the Bible, will would be enough to provide insight to lead a sinner to salvation and teach them how to walk worthy of their calling. In, in just four chapters, Colossians contain teaching on several important aspects. First of all, the deity of Christ. It also teaches about reconciliation, portions of redemption, and the views on election and forgiveness of sin, as well as the nature and the purpose of the church. It is believed that the Apostle Paul never visited Colossae, But a man by the name of Epaphras, who was perhaps one of Paul's converts, was used by God to share the gospel to a mostly Gentile but also Jewish resident in this region known as Colossae. The Apostle Paul was motivated to write this letter because of a report by Epaphras of Fawcett. Teachings by a group known as Gnostic. These false teachers, the word Gnostic means no, so they really thought they knew everything. But they denied the deity of Jesus. They also denied his death and his resurrection. They thought that Christ was a title, the Christ. And it was only a divine influence. They claimed that the spirit, the Christ, rested on the man Jesus at the baptism of Jesus by John. But the same divine influence or Christ left him before he was crucified. And their view was that Christ couldn't die, that God couldn't die. Therefore... Since Jesus was just a man, since he died, he could not be the intercessor between God and man. The Nazis taught that this responsibility was given to a special, special group of angelic beings whom God created for this very purpose. They taught that these angels were worthy of worship. You will see this in chapter 2 if you go there. Not Jesus, because Jesus was only a man. And I want to warn some of you now you need to know when you go to some of these other offshoot and I'm not talking about denomination because this is found in a lot of others. You need to know what they believe about Jesus not that they believe there was a Jesus. So Paul writes to the saints of Colossae to reassure them that Jesus was more than a man. In fact Paul makes it abundantly clear that Jesus was the Lord of creation. When you go to the text, you'll find that the Apostle Paul in verse 1 begins his letter with a normal general greeting. But in verse 3, Paul commands the Colossian church for four things. Number one, their faith in the Lord Jesus Number two, their love for one another. Number three, their hope of salvation. And number four, their receptiveness of the gospel message. And as I looked at these things, I thought, what a wonderful thing that these would be the core value of any local church. These four noteworthy virtues would be a character testimony for any local church. Again, faith in Christ. And I don't think too many people got a lot of problems with that. You're here, you believe in Christ. But number two, their love for each other. We, we, we might need some improvement. And then their hope of salvation. Do you realize this life is not Permanent. But you ought to have a hope that you've been saved and when this life is over, you got a home. For would also be hard for a lot of people. Receptive to the gospel message. I mean all of it. Not just a portion that you like to hear. But after those first five verses in chapter three, Chapter 1, verse 3 to 8. In verses 9 through 11, Paul prayed for the members of the church at Colossae. And he prayed, number one, they will be filled with the knowledge of God's will. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. Do we really want to know what God will is for our life? And if he told us, would we do what he told us to do? Number two, receive spiritual wisdom and understanding. Number three, to walk worthy, a walk that will please God. He also prayed that they would bear fruit of good works. He wanted them to experience increased knowledge of God. He prayed that God would strengthen their work. He prayed that they would demonstrate endurance And he also prayed that they would learn patience. Help me, Lord. And on all these things, he prayed that they would have joy. you got to enjoy this moment. And after praying and commending the church, in verse 12, Paul began to set the stage for the issue that needs to be addressed. He says in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light." He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred or translated us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Now, the church ought to be grateful for that, that your sins are forgiven and you have been bought with the price. Paul, Paul wanted the Colossians to realize that salvation was initiated by God. Ain't nothing in you words to be saved. Ain't nothing in you that's going to cause you to see God. God sought you. The plan of the father involved the death of his son, which accomplished four things. Looking at the scripture, picking out these four things. Number one, he delivered us from darkness. Idea of darkness is the fact that you couldn't see. And God had to shine his light upon you so you could see where you were headed. Now, some of y'all knew y'all was on the way to hell, which is good. Because there are a lot of people that think they do a little good deed here and there. They don't know they're on the way to hell. Number two, he transferred us into the, to his kingdom. See, we were owned by Satan. We were in Satan's kingdom, but he transferred us to his kingdom. Number three, he redeemed us. He bought us back. And number four, now I'm grateful, he paid our sin debt. You couldn't pay it, you didn't have enough money. He paid it. But to leave no doubt about Jesus' true identity, Paul added a profound statement in verse 15. Talking about Jesus, he said, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Whoa. Paul said that Jesus was the visible image of an invisible God. Now, I I, I think some of y'all are going to like this. The Greek word translated image is spelled e. I K O N It's pronounced icon, and that's what we get our English word from. Icon. The word can, can literally be translated as copy, duplicate, or likeness. But Paul was was emphasizing Jesus both the representation and the manifestation of God. Okay, let, let me make it plain to some of you young people, because I know y'all y'all can relate to this. All y'all got these phones, right? And on every phone, there's an app. The word app means application. Means something there that applies to something. You can't get to what that app represents until you touch the icon. Some, some of y'all don't miss that. Let me just give you one. A blue F. <laughs> some of y'all know what that is. Maybe a, a little little bird. Some, some of y'all know where they are. Before you can get to anybody on your Facebook, you got to touch the icon with that F. Y'all know where I'm going with this? See, before you can get to the Father, you got to have some type of contact with the Son Because he not only represents, he's a manifestation. Paul also uses the word he is the firstborn. He ain't speaking of a chronological birth. He's referring to status, position, and rank. You see, in the Jewish culture, the firstborn was the ranking son. Who had received the right of inheritance as dictated by his father. Jesus is the highest ranking human order. He is God, but he was also man, and of all of humanity, he is the highest ranking. Now Paul gonna go ahead and tell you why in verse sixteen. Why is he the highest ranking? For by all, for by him were all things created. Y'all got that? No, I don't think you have. By him, all things were created. Go ahead and explain it, Paul. There are in heaven and in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones, dominion, principalities, or power. All things were created by him and for him. You see, the false teachers have taught that Jesus was just a created being. Yeah, I'm stop right there. I, I, I prayed about saying this, but I, I need to really have some people understand. There are some, some, some well-known denominations. Some ride bikes with white shirts on. Some carry literature on Saturdays. You need to know what these people believe about Jesus. They'll say Jesus, but you need to know what they actually believe. See, these false teachers... They, 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 they taught that Jesus was just a created being. Not just a created being, but he was lower than many other supernatural beings. The Apostle Paul emphatically says, not so. He said Jesus is above all, period. To make this point clear, Paul had mentioned heaven and earth. That has to do with area and space. I don't care how far you can look, how far you can go, he got it. He also mentioned about this unseen, invisible, and the seen, visible. And this has to do with reality. I don't care, okay, whatever's going in your life, he's above all of that. But then he, he, he breaks down this unseen, thrones, dominion, principality, and power. It's believed that these are terms for angelic beings of different rank. Some are archangels, some are low angels. And the false teachers teach that these various ranks are angels between God and matter. In other words, you can't get to God if you go to one of these angels. And they concluded that Jesus was one of the lowest one. So you couldn't, definitely couldn't use him. They taught that these angels were to be worshipped. And Paul vigorously refuted such a absurd notion by stating that the Lord Jesus was the creator of angels and all beings, whether they were visible or invisible, and they were created for his purpose. And then he said this in verse 17. And he was before all things. And by him all things consist. The Lord Jesus is not only the creator of everything in the universe, but he also is the sustainer of what he created in the universe. In other words, he's the one that controls and governs the laws by which our universe functions in an orderly manner. Y'all heard of the law of gravity? What goes up? But they still look. And they can't come down until he says so. Something has to hold all this together. You know anything about gravity and force, everything should cave in into the sun. Because it's drawing stuff in there. But God says, not so. Paul's point is emphatic. Since Jesus created everything, he's Lord over his creation, right? And since he's Lord of salvation, he should be Lord over those who are saved. Whoa, 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 whoa. let me say it slower then. Since he has created everything, everything exists for him, that includes salvation. Means that he's the Lord of salvation. And if he's Lord of salvation and the universe obeys him, those people who have the salvation ought to obey him too. Okay. All believers in the Lord are members of his body. Did y'all agree with that? His body is also known as his church. Would you agree with that? Well, then let's go on in verse 18. And he is the head of the what? To make sure you understand what he said, he said the church in whom the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. Hmm. Paul identified Jesus as the head. The head speaks of guidance and control. Just as the human body. The head of the human body contains the brain and expresses itself to the world. The body of Christ, which Jesus is the head, chooses to express himself to the world through you. Y'all got quiet on me. Y'all ain't got that? Okay, let me put it this way. While there are many parts of your body, there's only one head. Okay, we'll go on then. Paul said that the Lord Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. Let me go back there. I'm going to go back there because I know some people say, well, you know, I got a heart. I ain't got but one heart. Y'all heard of a heart transplant? Have you ever heard of a head transplant? Okay, got that. Just, just, just want to make that clear. Paul said, Lord, Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. What he means here is by he's the first one that rose with a glorified body. A body that could reappear, step on the cloud. And his resurrection is the place that we're going to receive that body too one day. But more importantly, in verse 18, Paul tells the church why Jesus is the head of the church. Get it now so that he might have preeminence in everything. The original language, this word preeminence is protugo. And the reason I say that, y'all heard about pro, you know, before, pro is before, pro is up at the top of the line. It means to be in first position. It implies the highest rank and prominence. It literally means to be first. It can be rendered, and I really want you to get this, to be of superior priority. Now, y'all know where priority is, right? And ain't nothing above superior. So, it really means when you say that he may have parameters in everything, that he is a superior priority of everything. Well, let's confess. We often rebel against the Lordship of Jesus. We trust Him as being our Savior, but we find the difficulty to allow Him to be our Lord. Now, this message application is this. It's a message to challenge each and every one of us to ask this question. Does Jesus have preeminence in my life? You can answer this question by examining what or who have first priority in your life. So, I got a question. Who or what, Lord, is over you? Who or what lords over you? I got several things I want to bring to your attention and make suggestions. Number one is self. You're your own Lord. You want to do what you want to do, the way you want to do it, when you want to do it. And we get on these kids all the time because we, we always say the thing like, you think you're wrong. And the reason that they think they're grown is because they think they can do everything they want to do when they get grown. Newsflash, you don't get grown in Christ Jesus. Amen. It ain't Burger King, you can't have your way. But unfortunately, many of us, we're the Lord of me. In fact, there's there's a, there's a school of thought that's teaching that. It's all about you. You are the Lord of you. The second thing that is prominent in what lowers over you is feelings. Can't nobody say nothing to you without them feelings getting hurt. People have killed people because of feelings. Christians have left church because of feelings. May I go on and on and on. Feelings, your emotions. That's Lord over you. You make decisions based on your feelings. Number three, people. You so concerned about what people think and what people say about you. You ain't listening to God. And all you people that's hung up on how you look, you need to take the mirror out of your house and throw it away. The only mirror you need is the back up and the side mirror on your car so you won't kill yourself. Whoever said that a guy that's 6 feet? and 240 pounds and chisels with apps is a honk. That is something that we have concluded in ourselves because in the Bible days the fairer you were the more good looking you were because it meant prosperity. It's a cultural thing. If you went to Africa those women that think they're fine wouldn't even be looked at. But we're concerned about how people think. We won't get up in the morning and come to church We won't because we worry about what people think. So what if you ain't got no stocking? So what if your tie don't match? And, and let, me, let, me, let me share something with you. I, I know what I put on this morning, but I can't see it. So I put it on to impress you, not me. Number four, money. All oh, let the church talk about money. And we make decisions based on that. We change jobs because they pay us more now than the last one. Even though we're happy where we are, we want the money. So money lords over us. That's why... Sergeant Grace, people rob banks. Some people spend more time scratching off than they do turning pages in the Bible. Money is lording over you. Number five, Kalea is fear. Scared. That's why you're having problems trying to get more people involved. I don't want them people to see me. I don't read as well as this person. I can't pray. The Bible says he hasn't given you that type of spirit. It ain't nothing but the devil. And he knows how to work in fear. But some of y'all are fearful about your health. You ain't going to die until God allows you to die. Yeah, take your medication, go to the doctor, do all those things, but don't put your trust in doctors or medication. Some of y'all are fearful in the dark. You can't see nothing. <laughs> what are you afraid of? You're afraid of what you can't see that may not even be there. And here you are killing yourself. <laughs> Talk a little bit about my wind, my love of my life. Brats ain't your friend. Bears and gators, she don't particularly like either. But the other week or so back, She trimming her head because she don't like the way I do. And all of a sudden, something that she really don't like pops up out of the bush doing. That's a garden snake. and he goes. And here she is, trimming the hedges. She remember her mother-in-law, my mama. My mama was a snake killer. My mama get a hole. So she's thinking, I got to go and get a hoe. And the Lord said, what's in your hand? <laughs> here she got a big old trimmer there. And then she just went, snake head go. But the next time she comes, they go out there and shake them bushes. (laughs) Fear. It lords over you. The next thing is the flesh. And for you young people, I'm going to tell you something. The desires of this flesh don't get old even though you do. You might can't do it. (laughs) But you wanna do it. Some of us morning don't club no more cause we got crutches and bad knees. But we can do it and nobody in church saw us. We'd be hey And lastly. The biggest thing that lord over us is pride. We think we somebody. And the spirit of God be touching us. Tears be swelling up. Our hands get to move. And we'll sit there and suppress it. I don't want nobody to know. That I lose my cool. I ain't crying. My eyes are just dry. (laughs) Yeah, I'm crying. Because we're prideful. Raise your hand and you go fighting that something flying. No, you raise your hand because you're going to give glory to God. But you don't want nobody to see you. So you're trying to fly. Why should we allow the Lord to be Lord over us and to have first place? Because of what He has done. Now, I got the last passage I want to go over. Verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell. And having made peace through his blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth, things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated, and enemies in your mind by wicked words, yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, and get this, to present you holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. You see, you may not be holy, but he going to present you holy. You may not be unblameable, but he's going to present you blamable. You may not have been the right thing, but he's going to present you unprovable in his sight. And for that, you ought to rejoice. But I got a warning for you. Now, I know, Dr. X, what, the, what we believe here that once you're saved, you're saved because of the power of God. But I want to read with you verse 23. If you you continue in faith, grounded and settled, and not be moved away from the hope of the gospel. Now we believe that those that fall away would not there in no way. But I wouldn't take that chance. That's the only thing I'm saying. I wouldn't take the chance. I would make sure that I'm continuing in the faith. That I'm grounded in the faith and I'm settled in the faith. Ain't nobody's going to change my mind. And I'm not going to be moved from the gospel. And then say, here's another thing, too. And which was preached to every creature under heaven. Nobody's going to die without hearing the word of God. And they may hear it from you. Because they may never be in church. But nobody's going to die. Without hearing it. So I conclude with this. Jesus is the Lord of creation. And because of that, he deserves to be more than just your Savior. He deserves to be your Lord and not only does he deserve it he demands it There's a song that speaks to that you deserve it you deserve it thanks for listening we pray that you have been blessed by the message Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.